Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. And joining me this morning, as always, every week, my business coach, Lauren Beller, president of Big Fish Nation, and she and I are going to be talking this morning to Victoria Moran. Victoria is author of Fat, Broke, and Lonely No More. She is the author of the book, Your Personal Solution to Overeating, Overspending, and Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, and I've done all of those things most of the time. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Victoria. Thanks so much. And as I understand it, you are definitely not fat, broken, or lonely. Uh, I'm looking, I've seen you on the web, I've seen the picture on your book. I mean, you're gorgeous, you're thin, uh, successful, but at one time you weren't. Apparently you were a single mom and you were fat, broke, and lonely. Yeah, so I've been all those things, and that was why when my editor called and said, we have this great title and we think you could write it, and I was waiting for this beautiful, inspiring title, and it was fat, broke, and lonely, and I thought, oh, no, but then I thought, yeah, because I've been all of that, and I know how to get over it. All right, we all want to know, and you actually have a, a plan. I mean, you give us step-by-step points and how to do it and how to get over it, but one thing you said, Victoria, that I really identified with that was the worst thing for you. You had been, what, 60 pounds overweight at one time? Yeah, I, I was fat all my life because my dad was a diet doctor, and my mom worked in what they used to call reducing salons, those places with the funny-looking machines that we laugh at now, but in their day they were deadly serious. So I was a fat kid, bad for business, and kept dieting and undieting and losing and gaining weight for the first 32 years of my life. The past 23 have been very different. And what I had to do with that part was get out of the food and weight business. I had to be willing to maybe even be fat, but be free. Did not want to be in bondage to that stuff anymore, and that changed everything. And interestingly enough, that also helped with lonely. (laughs) Excuse me? When you say, Victoria, that you had to be fat, does that mean you had to get in touch with your fat, except, okay, I'm fat, and once you did that, you weren't denying your fat, and then you could lose it? No, no. It was that I had to be willing to not be so focused on the desperation of wanting to be thin because that kept it away. And when I say that the same thing happened with lonely, I was a single mom, I was widowed, I was single for 10 years, I thought, nobody will ever want me, but I'm going to desperately try to find somebody. That ended when I got over the desperation. When I became content with being single, my current wonderful husband of 10 years showed up. When I was willing to take good care of myself and not eat for a fix, even if it meant being fat, I lost the weight. All right. So in other words, it's that quality of desperation. That's what gets in the way. And I think that gets in the way with most of us, too. Because when you feel desperate, you're not going to be able to tackle any one of these, which is what you're saying. You're so right. And it also puts a message out just into the world at large of, oh, my gosh, desperation. Let's push away what she really wants. So how do we do it? I mean, you talk about it in the book. Give us some hints because I know there are a lot of listeners out there. They don't necessarily all suffer from fat, broke, and hopefully not, <laughs> you know, one or two of them. But so what do we do? Practical terms. How do you 
get over it. Okay, you don't want to be desperate, so then what do you do? You take care of yourself like a piece of porcelain. Even if you don't feel like you are as valuable as I am suggesting that you are, take care of yourself as if you were. You want to elevate your own estimation in your own eyes. It's sort of like if you go to a garage sale and you pick up some dishes thinking you'll just have them for spares for potluck dinners or when the grandkids come to visit, and then your friend the antiques buff comes over and says, oh my God, you know what you've got? Those dishes are a rare pattern from the Worth-A-Lot collection. You could get $10,000 today and their value is going up by the minute. You know what you're going to do? You're going to take way better care of those dishes. Well, my suggestion is that you have just been told that you are incredibly valuable as a human being, so you start taking way better care of yourself in some very little ways. Let's say you're going to have orange juice in the morning. You pour it in a stemmed goblet instead of the plastic superhero's cup from the Taco Bell. Tiny little shift in one way, and yet the way it makes you feel about yourself is enormous. That is an excellent point, and you know, I have done that, Victoria, and that does work. It's like if you change the external environment, as you're talking about, you know, having your orange juice in, in a wine glass or a white tablecloth in the morning on the table, it it impacts on your internal psyche, and it begins, there's a whole uh, sort of a circular thing that goes on in a positive way. Yes, it's almost magical. It's a wonderful thing. Another practical suggestion that I offer people is an acronym for me. First thing in the morning, take care of me. And that stands for M for meditation, E for exercise. So if you start out the morning with a little bit of quiet time when you will do whatever works for you, maybe you'll write in a journal, maybe you'll do a breathing practice. If you're a religious person, that would be the time for prayer and the devotions of your faith. You spend this little bit of time internally focused, composing your day. That guarantees calmness, better reactions throughout the day, and then you get out and you do your walk or you go to the gym or whatever it is that you do to get your body moving, and then you get the endorphins and you get the energy and that kind of uplift throughout the day. So you've taken care of the inner and the outer, and what you'll find if you take care of ME in the morning, then everything else is going to work better all day long. Okay, Victoria, but what about you've got the moms, the busy moms who say, I've got to get up in the morning, I've got to get the three kids off to school, I have to make their breakfast. I don't have time to do that. How much time does it take? Or the professional woman or the woman who has her own business, it really doesn't matter. There's always that excuse, there's no time for me. I can't can't do that. I don't have time in the morning. We have time for everything that we really want to do. How many people say they have no time, but they watch The Sopranos Sunday night? We make time. And these things do not have to take hours and hours. The meditation, 10 minutes, bare minimum, will do it. Some people say 20, 20 minutes twice a day. You know, I think if a lot of us had 20 minutes twice a day to spare, we wouldn't even need to meditate. We'd be so peaceful. But if you can just take 10 minutes, and if that means getting up 10 minutes earlier, so be it. The exercise, 20 minutes. So I understand it's going to take some time to put the shoes on and take the shower. But basically, the meditation and the exercise together, without the preliminaries, are going to take you 30 minutes. And if that means getting up at 6.30 instead of 7, because it's going to change your life, it's really worth it. Yeah, that it's worth doing. I mean, one of the mantras in your book and I is, is take action. 
you know, whatever you do, take action, right? That's at the end of each chapter you talk yeah. about taking action. Because we're being told so much now about, you know, just think it. Well, it is very important to keep your thinking where it ought to be, keep your words where they need to be, speak well about yourself, speak well about your life. But we're living in a physical world where action is required. Everything on this planet is animal, vegetable, or mineral. And since we're not a begonia or a boulder, we are supposed to get out there and do something. So you act on your good thoughts, you act on your good words, and everything will indeed, maybe not today, but at some point, come together. One of the things you mentioned is decide your mood for the day while you're still in bed. I yeah. really like that one because you have a choice. You absolutely have a choice. And this is not to say that some days you just don't seem to be you know, in a little kind of funk or you look out and it's gray, one more day. And these sorts of things, obviously, they affect us. They affect some people more than others. But it's very important to do at least the minimums that you know make you feel connected and empowered, even on the bad days. That's why I have a little essay in, in Fat, Broken, Lonely, No More that's called When You Don't Want to Do This Stuff, You Need It More Than Ever. Because on the good days, we're all wonderful. We are doing everything perfectly. You could write down our daily plan, everything we eat, everything we say, and better homes and bodies, and everybody would go, ooh. But it's on those other days, the days that we're tired, the day that somebody insulted us, the day that a disappointment happened, that it just seems to zap the energy. And so if you can get past that and just do a couple of things just for you, just take some action out there in the world, it really says to the universe, you know what? Nothing is going to get me down. Just as you say, Victoria, be a more attentive to yourself. The easy days are easy, but it's those other days that you really have to focus on and be more attentive to yourself. And one of the things, just getting out, how do you feel about that? Because I tend to isolate myself, especially the kind of work I do in radio, on the computer, and I could stay in all day and never get out, and I know that's not a good thing. And that's, I think, true for so many of us, especially those of us who aren't forced to go out with a job. You know, so many people say, oh, I envy you so much you get to work at home. Well, it is wonderful, and yet, if you tend to isolate, it makes that possible. So I am a big fan of getting up, getting out, getting going. In fact, in an earlier book that I wrote, Fit From Within, that was the name of one of the chapters, and Michael Moore, the filmmaker, was the um, guest book reviewer in, in Oprah's magazine one month, and everybody called me and said, oh, you're in Oprah's magazine, and I thought, oh my goodness, I am, and all the other books were very political, and you know, what you'd expect from Michael Moore, and then the tenth book that changed his life was My Fit From Within, and he said his favorite chapter was Get Up, Get Out, Get Going, and I think, you know, whether your lot in life is to stick a microphone in the face of people who wish you would be banished to some foreign land, or... <laughs> Just have to get up and get your kids to school and get to the office. It makes so much difference if you get out into the world and start to make things happen. Because I totally believe in miracles. I believe in things coming in from left field that you could never have imagined. And yet, they're not going to come in and get you off the couch. You have to get out and make the effort. And then maybe your effort won't directly bring about what you're hoping for, but it'll come to you if you get out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. After I had my three kids, and I always bring it back to the personal, but you're just so on target with this stuff because I couldn't get up and get out and take action, you know, and my kids used to describe me as sitting on the green couch in my brown bathrobe. Oh. And when they started to describe me as doing that, I knew it was time to 
get up, get out, and to take action. So uh, you're absolutely, you know, the other thing is, I think one of the, the, the things that you mentioned in the book, which is really important, because people get kind of scared, like, oh, I can't do all this stuff all at once, even if they do read your book, and it's very clear. Break up the task into reasonable pieces, and that is really important. So it doesn't seem so daunting and overwhelming, and I can't do it all. Right, and the truth is we all just have 16 waking hours in the day, and obviously some of those are going to be spent working and bathing and eating. So the idea of, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to spend all this time improving myself, you know, that's kind of silly. Basically what you want to do is live today the way you want to do it. And if you can think that, that... We're going to take a short oh, break sorry. today, the way you want to do it. When we come back, we're talking to Victoria Moran, author of Fat, Broke, and Lonely No More. I think we took care of Fat and Lonely, but when we come back, we have to take care of Broke. You're listening to Catherine Zox on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women, your social worker with a microphone. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. A renowned speaker, writer, and personal coach, Steve Maraboli has risen to national prominence by delivering highly penetrating and effective programs that help people shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to their greatest potential, and align themselves with happiness, success, and excellence. From Fortune 500 companies, national corporations, and social organizations, to professional athletes and inner-city youth, Steve Maraboli is the recognized leader in personal enhancement. Speeches, seminars, and coaching with Steve Maraboli are designed to help break through the barriers that hinder happiness and success, rejuvenate ambition, reignite the drive to succeed, boost productivity, amplify motivation and inspirational drive, renew inner strength, and maximize effectiveness. Today is a new day. Release the power within. For more information, visit our website, abettertoday.com or stevemariboli.com or email us at staff at stevemariboli.com. Steve Mariboli. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. 
listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you would like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. It's The Catherine Zox Show on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. And joining me this morning is Victoria Moran. Victoria is author of Fat, Broke, and Lonely No More. And if you've been listening, we've, uh, as I said before we took the break, I think we've covered fat quite well, although you have to read the book if you really want to uh, really find out exactly a step-by-step of how to get rid of the fat and the lonely, get up and get out and take action. But what about Victoria the Broke? That, I think that, to me, is even the most difficult. Uh, how do we... You know, if you're down and out and you don't have enough money, and most Americans don't, they buy everything on credit, what do we do? You have to get really serious with yourself. This is when you have to grow up. Our grandparents would have been embarrassed and ashamed to use credit for the things that we're using credit for. Certainly a secured loan for a house or a car was okay in their day, but to use credit to buy lunch or buy shoes... I mean, that would have been absolutely horrifying. Well, How you know what? It cost $450. Yeah. yeah. But if you are not paying off that credit card bill at the end of every single month in full, you are no longer borrowing, in my opinion. You are stealing. And, of course, you're also being robbed with the interest rates. So it is a vicious cycle. It is absolutely important, if you want to be broke no more, that if you are a credit junkie, you stop using credit entirely, absolutely, and people are saying, but what if I have to rent a car? You worry about that the day you have to rent the car. If you are a junkie, you can no more use credit than an alcoholic can drink alcohol. For people who aren't junkies, you get it down to one credit card that you pay off every single month. Now, the way you deal with your debt that you've already got is to figure out a payment plan with each creditor so that you are paying back that debt slowly. Now, this is the complete opposite that you're going to hear from a lot of financial people who say, pay off your debt as fast as you can, even if you have to live on dry cat food. Well, what kind of life is that? That's going to get you back into the next you have been approved offer because your life is so miserable. You want to have a good life today and get yourself financially solvent. So every day, we're talking about quality of life, taking those, I call them baby steps, as you say, to get yourself out of financial distress. But are you saying, Victoria, that you should always pay in cash, let's say, I mean, what if you're traveling and you, like you gave the example of renting a car or eating at a restaurant, those kinds of things, always bring cash, pay now, in cash? I think most people can handle a credit card. Nobody needs 15 credit cards. If you've got 15 credit cards, you have a credit problem. I am sorry. One credit card and one debit card for everybody that I know, and I know authors, I know media people, I know all kinds of people who travel and they travel internationally and they have all the excuses that everybody has, they do fine. One credit card, one debit card. It's really all you need unless you're wanting to live on somebody else's money. Now, people who are addicted to debt, and some people are, you can go to the website of Debtors Anonymous, debtorsanonymous.org. There's a questionnaire there. You can find out if you are a credit junkie. That is a credit holic. In that case, you need how to lead to learn to live your life on a cash basis. Most people can handle one credit card. If you can't, get some help. 
Victoria, what do you think about the kids, the children? How do you feel about giving your children a credit card when they go to college or even in high school? I think it really depends on the maturity level of the kid and what you as a parent have modeled up until then. I discovered these principles for getting out of being broke when my daughter was mm, maybe 10 or 11 years old. So she had heard all of this stuff for years, and when she was older and when she was of the age where she could get a credit card, she was very clear about what she was going to do. She was going to get an American Express card that she would pay off every month, period. She's now 24 years old. That's what she does. She's an actress in New York City, married to an actor in New York City. By rights, they should be starving. Instead, they found the last bargain apartment on Manhattan Island, and they are actually buying it. I am proud as punch of this kid. And I know that a lot of that is because she picked up by osmosis. First, she saw some of the stuff that I was doing when she was younger that was not leading to financial solvency and a healthy kind of of secure base for us. And then she saw the turnaround and has adopted that for herself. So in my opinion, the best thing you can do for your kids in any of these issues is solve your own problems and start to model for them the kind of behavior that you hope they will carry into their adulthood. So you have to be a role model. Obviously, uh, they are going to take a look at their parents or parent and uh, and follow your lead. But you mentioned, like, Victoria, you were doing the wrong thing at one point. What were you doing? You know, it's always like to hear the schadenfreude. What, What was some of the bad stuff that you did that, you know, made you have the turnaround. Sure. Well, I never thought I ever needed to worry about money because my dad had money. You know, I told you he was a diet doctor. You can make a lot of money pushing diet pills. And so I just always figured one day he would pass away and I would inherit money. But what happened was I was living on the other side of the country. His um, mental faculties were declining, and he was actually married by one of these young women who had a history of marrying older men for their money. It was quite sleazy. And And Nicole Smith in your own family. It was really something like that, but not nearly as much money. But the long and short of it was she, she got everything. And even though she was an unscrupulous person, and I just wish her well, but know that karma will catch up with her. And yet, in a way, she did me a favor. Had I inherited money at 40, I would have stayed 14 financially for the rest of my life. Because once I woke up in the bright light of day and saw that I was never going to get to write heiress in the occupation space on my income tax form, I had to get smart about money. I had to learn how to save, and I always hated saving. I think it was a Cold War childhood and the idea of, well, you're not going to live to be old anyway, so spend it now and enjoy it. And yet, lo and behold, you know, we all get to be older than we ever thought we'd be. So I read somewhere this beautiful sentence that made such a difference for me. It said, what you save is yours to keep. I never thought of it that way before. I always thought it was a donation to the bank, and they were going to take it from me. So to be able to set some money aside and have a cushion, a wonderful, wonderful feeling, as well as a very sensible thing to do. I also learned about tithing, which is giving away 10% of your money. 
and a lot of very, very successful people have practiced this for years. John D. Rockefeller started as a child. His dad would give him a dime. He would give away a penny. By the end of his life, he'd given away $750 million. The principle is that when you are able to share, you feel more prosperous, and somehow, in a way that I don't quite understand, but I have learned from experience that it works, when you can give 10% and save 10%, not only does the 80% go farther, but money comes in from unexpected sources. Well, wasn't that the, that's what they did in, in uh, and I, I'm not sure when it began, but that's what the churches always did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You can give it to your church, your synagogue, a cause that speaks to your heart, some creative combination. What I find is that as long as it gets out of my wallet and out of my checking account, that first 10% does not belong to me, isn't going to do me any good, I get that out, and that keeps the flow going in a really miraculous way. And one of the other things that you talk about in terms of money uh, is also a term you refer to as inspired investing. Well, you need to put your money where your morals are. And so often people will invest just somewhere because their investment advisor tells them that they ought to. But I think it's very important that you look into the company that you're going to become a part owner of, that you look into every company in that mutual fund or else you go with a so-called socially responsible fund because everything in life goes out from you and comes back in kind. So if so you, you don't want to have a disconnect between what you invest in. You need to there has to be a feeling associated with the investment. Is that what you're saying to what you, you're investing in? You have totally got it. Yeah, it it's the idea that if you wouldn't walk up to some company that was polluting your local river and give them money to continue doing it, well, you don't want to do it indirectly by investing in them. All right. So you have to be aware, environmental awareness, women's rights, all of those kinds of things. You have to know where that money goes. Exactly. And it's all the things that matter to you because obviously we all want a better world, but we all have a different opinion of what a better world would be. So all you can do is do your spending at stores and and through businesses that you think are making a better world based on your views today. The same with investing. Everything we do matters. And you know, when you come to see that everything that you do matters, it raises your self-esteem. I think that's a great, great uh, thought or idea, I think, to say goodbye on because we've only got about a minute left. But your website is victoriamoran.com. That's where listeners can go. I would love to have your visitor, your listeners visit. I have a newsletter called the Charmed Monday Minute that they can sign up for and keep in touch. That's terrific. Great. Fat, broke, and lonely no more. Victoria Moran. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank great you, advice. Catherine. You're yeah, delightful. Great, great book, too. I really enjoyed it. Lauren, I, I mean, I think that it's so practical. Her uh, Easy read, very practical, and you can go right through the steps and you won't be fat, broke, or lonely no more. Of course, Lauren, you're not fat. <laughs> I liked it too. Straightforward, down to earth, real information. She's got well, it. I'm going to ask her a question, and I interrupted because I'm always interrupting. No, no, no. It was, uh, you were on a roll. I was enjoying listening. Yeah, good. You're the only one who likes to listen to me. My kids are always telling me, "Do you ever stop talking?" <laughs> no, I never do. I get off the radio. I get on the phone. I can't stop talking. I guess I'm in the right business. <laughs> We're going to take a break right now. It's Catherine Sox with Lauren Beller on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. 
Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. A renowned speaker, writer, and personal coach, Steve Maraboli has risen to national prominence by delivering highly penetrating and effective programs that help people shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to their greatest potential, and align themselves with happiness, success, and excellence. From Fortune 500 companies, national corporations, and social organizations, to professional athletes and inner-city youth, Steve Maraboli is the recognized leader in personal enhancement. Speeches, seminars, and coaching with Steve Maraboli are designed to help break through the barriers that hinder happiness and success, rejuvenate ambition, reignite the drive to succeed, boost productivity, amplify motivation and inspirational drive, renew inner strength, and maximize effectiveness. Today is a new day. Release the power within. For more information, visit our website, abettertoday.com or stevemariboli.com or email us at staff at stevemariboli.com Steve Mariboli Living the Green Life with Kim Carlson Echopreneur, author, and green living maven brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily. From hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products. Get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Living the Green Life with Kim Carlson broadcast each Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Living the green life for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle. If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you would like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, and welcome to the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. And in this half hour, joining me is Laura Vanderkam. She's author of Grind Hopping, Build a Rewarding Career Without Paying Your Dues. Everybody wants to build a rewarding career, and we don't want to pay our dues. You've got it. Uh, this is a great book. Also, I like the cover of your book, too. The graphics are wonderful, Laura, on your book. Laura is... 28 years old, so she's very successful at a very young age and has been building a career outside the grind since shortly after her graduation from college in 2001. And you have, your work has appeared in USA Today, Reader's Digest, and Wired. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. 
Thank you for having me. This is great. So you've done all of this in your 28 years. Uh, I have to hide my head in shame, although I think I'm following some of your rules because uh, I'm not in the corporate grind. Uh, and I think, do you think, Laura, that it's a generational thing that, that uh, you know, the baby boomers, you know, were the big, you know, once they became the, the corporate leaders, but now this generation is, or the next generation doesn't want to do that anymore, doesn't want to sit behind a desk and, as you say, you know, do somebody else's PowerPoint presentations? Well, that's certainly what I've, I've found to be the case, that it is a, a bit of a generational thing. Um, a lot of people my age grew up seeing their parents um, work very hard for, for a company for years and then have the job disappear as a result of a merger or downsizing or things like that. And, and when you see that, it's, it's very hard to believe that you know the corporate grind will always be there for you if you take a, a regular job. So that's sort of the push factor. And then in terms of the pull factor, there's a lot of people are looking at self employment these days because it's just really never been easier uh, to start a business. You no longer need a lot of money to start. Uh, thanks to um, the Internet, it's very cheap to get up and running and to get whatever you're selling in front of a very large audience for, for not a lot of money. And because of that, um, you know, because you can reach such a large audience, you can specialize a and lot. Also, and so, you, practically from, you don't have to do a brick-and-mortar office, you can have a virtual secretary, a virtual, you know, whoever, you know, you don't have to have people that you have to have on your payroll in your house, pay insurance or in your house, in your business, makes it very different, as you say, in terms of the investment. Exactly. I mean, you can set up an internet website for for $20 a month. So there's really almost no barriers to starting a, a business. So a lot of young people are saying, well, why can't I be my own boss then? You know, I was watching the Today Show this morning. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, the uh, Facebook, the, the kid, the, I say kid, the, he's 23 years old, who started his the Facebook when he was at Harvard, then dropped out. Now it's, I guess, someone has offered, they say, a billion dollars for that for his business. They're running this huge business, this Facebook, and I guess they're expanding corporate solutions, et cetera. So it's really an example of what you're talking about. Exactly, that you can you can start something as a young person and then who knows what kind of rewards you'll get financially. But even if you don't get those kind of rewards, there's a lot of rewards to be had in just doing something that you love to do as your job. So you don't have to, it's not necessarily a job that's going to, you're going to make millions of dollars. As you talk about in the book, you might want to be an artist or uh, you say an embroidery artist, uh, you know, a sculptor. Uh, there's just lots of options. Yes, all kinds of things that are the, the jobs that people maybe grew up dreaming that they would love to do. And unfortunately, you're probably not going to be finding someone who will hire you to do that, but that doesn't mean you can't do that for a living if you're willing to go out on your own. And, Laura, you know, I think and we talk about the generational thing because uh, you're about the age. I have three boys, and they're your age, 28, 26, 24. Uh, and I think one of the things about the baby boomer generation, as you say, doing things you love, following your passion, we sort of waited to do that after you did your real job, you know, the 20 years of working for the man, working in a corporation. Then, you know, when you're 50, you can do what you really want to do. But you're saying you can do it in the beginning. 
Yes, that I mean, it's the title of the book, uh, you know, Build a Rewarding Career Without Paying Your Dues. Um, there is this thought, uh, even with, with entrepreneurship, I mean, people who like to do things um, their own way, that you need to spend years in the grind building up capital and experience. And then once you're safe and secure, you can, you can jump out. But I'm saying, you know, you'll never be entirely safe and secure. So the time to take a risk is when you're young enough that you don't have a mortgage maybe or a family that you need to support. Um, so if you need to to live on ramen noodles and somewhere cheap and moonlighting at night, you can do it. Yeah, and you're healthy. You can bounce and back. And you're healthy, you know? so, so health insurance will hopefully be cheaper as well. Yeah, but one of the things you say, and, and so I think sometimes people don't always think about this, yeah, you're not going to have a boss telling you what to do if you have your own business, but you say you have to be the boss of yourself, and that that's not so easy. No, well, none of us particularly enjoy um you know, foisting discipline upon ourselves. Um, but the truth is, I mean, if you're, if you're running your own business, uh, you have to figure out where you're going, how you're going to get there. So like a boss, you'll have to set goals for the business. You'll have to hold yourself to them because no one else is going to make you do it. Um, and there's even more temptations when no one's looking over your shoulder. I mean, for instance, people who work at home, it would be amazingly easy just to turn on the TV all day, but then you'll never get anything done. You'll never uh, bring in any income. So you have to learn how to say, well, I'd like to watch TV right now, but I'm not going to because there's other things that I want more and then hold yourself to that. Yeah, so you have to be disciplined. And that was, and I think, do you think there's a certain kind of a, a personality, um, even in young people who want to go out and be on their own? I mean, because you mentioned that they aren't people just necessarily or young uh, pe- who uh, are overachievers, but they're also very interested in quality. That issue c- comes up. Yes, well, certainly there's there's an entrepreneurial temperament. Um, some people are, are more natural at this than others, people who are very internally driven, who, who know what they want in life and are, are willing to go for it and who hold themselves to higher standards than any boss ever would. But that said, I mean, there's a lot about entrepreneurship that you can learn. A number of colleges and universities are now starting to teach it as a class or as a, you know, as a track within their business schools. Um, and, and more and more of us are going to have to become, um, even if we work for big corporations, there's a lot to be said for having an entrepreneurial temperament, um, given how, how few jobs last forever these days, that pe- more and more people will have to try things on their own, yeah, they're gonna be or even to just go to different companies. Or not. Laura Vanderkam will be back in a minute. Uh, stay with us. Grind Hopping. She's the author of Grind Hopping, Build a Rewarding Career Without Paying Your Dues. I'm Catherine Fox, and you're listening to Voice America. America.com women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. The woman MVP who sets you free with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife, and mother, Luann Mitchell-Halter, is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own big league MVP. MVP, my victory plan, potential for greatness. The woman MVP who sets you free with Luann Mitchell Halter broadcast each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The woman MVP who sets you free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP. 
A renowned speaker, writer, and personal coach, Steve Maraboli has risen to national prominence by delivering highly penetrating and effective programs that help people shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to their greatest potential, and align themselves with happiness, success, and excellence. From Fortune 500 companies, national corporations, and social organizations, to professional athletes and inner-city youth, Steve Maraboli is the recognized leader in personal enhancement. Speeches, seminars, and coaching with Steve Maraboli are designed to help break through the barriers that hinder happiness and success, rejuvenate ambition, reignite the drive to succeed, boost productivity, amplify motivation and inspirational drive, renew inner strength, and maximize effectiveness. Today is a new day. Release the power within. For more information, visit our website, abettertoday.com or stevemariboli.com or email us at staff at stevemariboli.com. Steve Mariboli. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest wine makers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where women and wine angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women and Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women and Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Catherine Zox, and you are listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com, VoiceAmerica.com Women. I'm your social worker with the microphone, and joining me this morning is Laura Vanderkam. She is author of Grind Hopping, Build a Rewarding Career Without Paying Your Dues. Uh, so we've been, uh, if you haven't been listening, we've been talking for the past uh, few minutes about how to do this. So you don't have to pay your dues necessarily, or not the dues that we are used to thinking about. And Laura... I mean, you specifically take us through the process, like uh, how to actually turn whatever you love into a profitable career. Let's talk about the specifics. Well, first, I mean, you have to figure out what you want to do. I mean, if all the world is open to you, think about it. Like, what do I love so much I would do it for free? And once you have that idea, if you've spent some serious time thinking about it, got that idea, then you ask yourself, well, how can I get someone to pay me to do that? Um, you know, you really got to think hard about that question, but if you find an answer to it, you're pretty much on track for getting a good business going. There's a few other questions such as, well, how can I get the cash register ringing quickly? Um, as particularly if you're a young person, you might not have a whole lot of money to invest in the business to start up, so you need to figure out a way to do it without much money um, and to get returns back quickly. And then you need to figure out what kind of goals you're going to set for your business. I mean, what would a successful business look like? Um, Where do I want to be in 10 years? So what can I do 
you know, tomorrow, in the next week, in the next month to get there. But that's your vision. You have to have some kind of a vision. Five year, years from now, ten years from now. Um, well, not just a vision. I mean, a vision, but then a concrete plan of how to how to get there, to, to not only know where you're going, but what the uh, route map to get there looks like. Is that the old description of a business plan, or is that something different? Well, certainly it helps to have a business plan, but, I mean, I, I work for myself, and I haven't ever formally written one up. But I just sit there every, every year, you know, in January usually, as I'm trying to set my goals for the year, I sit there and think, well, where would I like to be a few years from now? Um, what should I be doing this year in order to make sure that I'm on track to reach whatever that long-term goal is? So that can be a business plan, or it can just be a way of setting personal goals for yourself. One of the things that you've that you discuss, and I think this is really important because not everybody can do this, how to get comfortable with taking risks. Some people are just not risk takers, and don't you have to know that? I mean, maybe you are better off, even though you may not really like it, working for somebody else because you're too fearful about being a risk taker, or can you? is there something that you can do to put yourself in a position so you'll get out there and, and, and take more risks? Well, I tell people to... Uh, make a list of you know what what are they frightened about with with striking out um, on you know for something new, and then also to make sure though that they realize what the risks are of of not taking that risk. I mean because there's downsides to everything, right? Um, if you stay where you are just because it seems more comfortable, there's the risk of perhaps not having the life you want, perhaps not having a job you enjoy, um, possibly not earning as much money because you're not putting as much effort into the into the job because you don't like it as much. So all of these are, are downsides, and, I mean, that job could disappear as well. Um, so once you set out, you know, what the downsides are of not taking the risk, oftentimes the, the downsides of actually taking the risk don't look as bad in comparison. You so I tell so people right. to do that. I, you know what, I, I want to, I, that is such, I think that is so, so important to emphasize because I know personally at age 40 I began doing what I wanted to do, radio and television, and it was scary and it was risky, but I kept saying to my partner, I said to him, well, the others, the others I could be down in Florida shooting golf balls, and do I want to do that at age 50? No. So, uh, so I really identify with what you're saying when you, when you say, you know, look at, uh, look at the other side. If you don't do it, where will you be? And, and you just need to compare the two. And if, if, the, if the downsides of, of taking the risk still look bad to you, well, then maybe you shouldn't. But again, you know, there's, there's, it's something to be said for living the life you want. And if you're not going to be happy shooting golf balls in Florida, like you said, then you really should just jump off the cliff. <laughs> Which is what I did. <laughs> well, wonderful. Take a leap. Start swimming. Anyway, okay, so that's important. That's a really important point. You've got to, that's one way of getting comfortable with taking the risk. Um, then you talk about choosing projects that get you where you want to be in life. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the, the things that causes a lot of angst among people who do work for themselves is you need to figure out what you should be doing on any given day or, you know, in any given week um, to be getting you where you're going. And, you know, you may come across a lot of projects, um, and you have to choose which ones you prioritize, which ones you seek out. And so I tell people you always want to be chasing a few dream projects. Um, you know, I use this uh, metaphor in the book of, of hunting mastodons as if we're, we're cavemen. And, you know, you always want to be hunting a mastodon, a dream project. But you have to realize that there's going to be a lot of time between mastodons. So you also need to line up a lot of 
good projects that you enjoy but perhaps aren't career-making projects um, to keep you busy and to, to keep the income coming in. And then you should also always have something that you can just do to pay the bills if times get rough. Uh, a lot of the young people I interviewed for, for grind hopping um, had moonlighting uh, gigs that they could turn to if, if for you know, whatever reason a client wasn't paying or if there was a long time between projects. Um, just something so you know that you will always be able to pay the rent. Um, That's something like actors working as waiters and bartenders? Because I have a son who's an actor who's 23 years old who is doing just that. Is, is that well, certainly. I mean, a, yeah. a lot of actors choose that because it's, it's very flexible. But, um, I mean, the important thing to keep in mind is that if you're choosing a job to pay the bills, it should pay the bills. Um, I, I met this one young woman who was, who was very uh, creative but hadn't really thought about. Um, she had taken a day job that wasn't paying her that much and wasn't giving her health insurance. I said, well, that seems a little silly. If you're taking a day job to pay the bills, it should do that um, to support your passion of whatever you're doing at night. Uh, but it's good to have something lined up that you can do, be it you know, babysitting, be it... Um, you know, decorating or, or, you know, planning parties for people. There's a lot of, of low capital things you can set up to do that you could just do quickly or in a pinch if, if the need arose. Well, give us some more examples in the book because your examples are great. You're talking about chasing the mastodon and you give the example of Grindhopper, Chris Lopinto. Lopinto, yes. Yeah, that's a cool one. Tell us about him. Well, he, he had... Um, been working on a, a computer software company and, and had really built up this business and, and then, you know, he all of a sudden realized that he kind of wanted to be in a different line of work. His, his uncle had been a, an airline pilot and his father did a lot of business travel and so between the two, three of them, they knew um, a lot about the, the airline industry. And so they, they set up this company called uh, expertflyer.com, which lets you see how to... Um, you know, make the best use of different fare buckets, of upgrade possibilities, like when all the flights are, things like that. And and basically, he had to decide, well, am I just going to do that, my, my software, and try and launch the uh, expert flyer on the side, or am I going to throw all my weight behind expert flyer? And he tried to do both for a while, and he did manage to do both for a while, sort of downplaying the software business. But eventually, he realized that he had to throw himself fully behind uh, Expert Flyer, and so he sold off the software business and, and concentrated on the latter. You have to figure out how much energy you have. I mean, we only have so much energy, and where you well, and that's it. and that's the thing for for trying to choose which projects to go after. I mean, the the, ten, the temptation is always to to put more effort into what I call the grass and tree bark projects. To stick with the, the hunting ma- uh, metaphor. Um, you know, things that are easy, that pay the bills. But if you want to advance long-term in your career, you have to figure out where you want to be. And so you always have to devote some time to, to hunting for these mastodons, even if you can't immediately see what the payoff is going to be. So, I mean, I personally try to schedule, uh, you know, an hour or two every day where I'm, I'm thinking about what are my dream projects, what are the big things I would like to be doing, what research can I be doing for that. Um, so I get that done and get that out of the way, and then I can spend my time. I'm doing the, the pay the bill stuff. Laura, how did you get so smart? I mean, where does this come from? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I really don't like... Smart. What? 
I don't like authority, <laughs> so I, I I haven't done well in in traditional jobs per se when I when I've attempted to do that. So I think working for myself was more a matter of um, I I was trying to figure out in 2002 kind of what I was going to do with my life, and this, we were in the middle of it. Was it turned out not to be a recession, but but it wasn't exactly a good time to be looking for a job. Um, and and I moved to New York because I'd always wanted to move to New York and and be a writer. And well, I thought I'd do it. Where? We want to know where you came from. Well, I was I was working at USA Today for for a year after college, and um, that was in Washington D.C. And then moved to New York, um, and I uh, was basically just you know writing for whoever's checks would clear, um, and you know thinking I'd eventually try and get a real job. And then I sort of realized, hey, I'm enjoying this, and and then I started realizing that I was actually earning enough to to live comfortably. Um, and and so I started saying, well, you know, maybe there's something to this, and I should be doing this with my life. And so I've been thinking about it since, and and interviewing tons of people who've who've done similar things, and I, they've had a lot of great advice, and and I've tried to put that into play in my own life as well. Can you tell of all the interviews that you did, is there anyone that really kind of stuck out for you that that, that did influence your life very directly after you did the interview? I mean, somebody who was kind of really out there for you. Well, I one of my my favorite uh, interviews I had done for this uh, for grind hopping was a, a young woman named um, Dustin Ashley Tester who has a, a business called Maui Surfer Girls, um, and she had just always loved to surf more or less. Uh, growing up, she'd been in Hawaii. Um, she had just you know grown up trying to conquer the waves, and it helped her you know, deal with a, a somewhat traumatic childhood. And and so when she finished college, she decided, well, if I love surfing, I'm going to go start a surfing business. And and so she went back to Hawaii and um, decided to set up this camp so that she could help young women um, learn about themselves and their their bodies and and all that through through surfing. And she had no money. Um, she you know had no idea how you're going to run a camp. Um, but she just said, well, this is what I want to do with my life. If I love surfing as much as I, you know, love living, then I should make my living surfing. And I, I just found that to be so, such a different mindset than so many people approach their careers with. I mean, I, most of my college classmates were, were going to job fairs, were looking at, um, you know, what companies were, were hiring, were, were asking for resumes. And it may or may not have been what they really loved to do with their life, but it was what was there and it was what was available. And I went back to my fifth reunion last year, and there were so many people who they weren't happy with their lives, whereas this woman really was. And, and you can't put a price on that. You can't. And you've got to read the book because you have all of these great stories that in, the, in the book, Grind Hopping. want listeners to know before we leave is grindhopping.com is the website to go to, and you can buy Grind Hopping at amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, uh, and you can build a rewarding career without paying your dues. I love it. It's a great story. And yours is, too, your personal story. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning, Laura. I appreciate it. Yep. Laura Vanderkam. And you know what? Practical, easy advice. And you know what, Lauren? I think when you have these uh, personal stories, which she has in her book because she did a lot of interviews, it kind of helps to get the point across. It really does. She also made it so believable. Like anybody can go be their own you know, entrepreneur if they want. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you don't have to go to the job fairs, although... <laughs> <laughs> 
you do, well, you can do both. and You can go to the job fair and then decide you're not going to do that, right? That's probably the best inspiration to go build your own business, go to a job fair. That's true. <laughs> you never want to work for anybody. See, that's what they did in my generation. I mean, the baby boomers, the job fair, and, you know, you had this list of what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Anyway, great show today. And... Uh, We've got 30 seconds left to go, so we're going to say goodbye. Lauren Beller, president of Big Fish Nation, and she's my business coach. And I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com Women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.